Hello and welcome, I'm Fernando, a GP in the UK. Today we're looking at the nice updates published in October 2023, focusing on what is relevant in primary care only. We will be covering migraines, thyroid function tests, diabetes, suspected cancer and insomnia. So let's jump into it. The first clinical area is an update on a new migraine medication, Rimejapant. A nice says that Rimejapant is recommended only if at least two triptans have been tried but were ineffective, or if triptans cannot be used and paracetamol and NSAIDs are not effective. What is Rimejapant? Well, Japants are a new class of drugs which have been developed specifically for the treatment of migraines. Primejapant is a calcitonin gene-related peptide receptor antagonist, so it works by blocking this CGRP receptor. And although the mechanism of action is not fully understood, we know that this receptor is involved in the development of migraines. Japans can be used as an acute treatment, and although Rimejapant has a license for migraine prophylaxis, NICE does not recommend it for this indication. Unlike triptans, Japans do not cause vasoconstriction, so they do not have the same cardiovascular contraindications and cautions as triptans. Rimejapant is an oral laophilicide that should be placed on the tongue or under the tongue, and it will disintegrate in the mouth and can therefore be taken without liquid. The next update refers to thyroid disease, and it says that when ordering thyroid function tests, patients should be routinely asked about biotin use. This is because the MHRA has reported that biotin may cause thyroid test results to be falsely increased or decreased, leading to inappropriate management. Biotin is increasingly found in dietary supplements which are typically taken for hair, skin and nail health, so we should always check whether patients are taking such supplements over the counter. The third area refers to a new diabetic agent, dilsepatide, Unlike GLP-1 receptor agonists, it is recommended if type 2 diabetes is not controlled on triple therapy with metformin and two other drugs, and they have a BMI of 35 or more with obesity-related health problems, or they have a BMI of less than 35, and insulin would have a significant occupational implication or weight loss would benefit other significant comorbidities and we will use a lower BMI threshold, usually reduced by 2.5, for people from non-white family backgrounds. We all know the supply issues that we have had with various GLP-1 receptor agonists. So is disepatide a new GLP drug coming to the rescue? Well, not really, because disepatide is both a GIP and a GLP-1 receptor agonist, so it is a dual agent. It is a weekly injectable and clinical trials suggest that disepatide reduces HbA1c and BMI more than semaglutide, where reduction with disepatide is more pronounced with higher doses, whereas reductions in HbA1c seem to be less dose-dependent. No dose adjustment is required for patients with hepatic and renal impairment, including end-stage renal disease, but experience with these patients is limited so we should exercise caution. The mechanism of action of disepatide is by increasing insulin secretion and sensitivity, reducing glucagon and delaying gastric emptying. The next clinical area refers to suspected cancer recognition and referral, 
and the guidance has been updated to reflect the new energy standard on faster cancer diagnosis. So what this means is that rather than focusing on these patients being seen within two weeks, the aim now is for them to have a diagnosis or have cancer ruled out within 28 days from referral. This change applies when the referring GP suspects cancer, there are breast symptoms even when cancer is not initially suspected, or when there is an abnormal national cancer screening result. So this update will also appear in a number of other guidelines, including, for example, neurological conditions, ovarian cancer, and urinary incontinence. Next, there is also an update that says that we should use a suspected cancer pathway for adults of Chinese or Southeast Asian family origin who develop hearing loss and a middle ear effusion not associated with an upper respiratory tract infection. This is because of the higher incidence of nasopharyngeal carcinoma in these populations. Nasopharyngeal carcinoma is rare in most parts of the world, but it is much more common in East and Southeast Asia, which suggests that genetic and or environmental factors can contribute substantially to its development. The final guidance is on daridorexant for treating long-term insomnia. And now it says that daridorexant is recommended for insomnia lasting for three nights or more per week for at least three months with affected daytime functioning, but only if cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia is ineffective or it is not available or is unsuitable. What is daridorexant? Well, unlike benzodiazepines or said drugs, which work by increasing sedation, daridorexant is a new type of drug, anorexin antagonist, which works in a different way. It inhibits arousal mechanisms. To understand this, we need to know that orexins are neuropeptides produced by the hypothalamus, which promote a state of wakefulness. Therefore, daridorexant, by blocking the orexin receptors, reduces wakefulness and helps sleep. And the good news is that, in clinical studies, there has been no evidence of abuse or withdrawal symptoms indicative of physical dependence. NICE recommends that the length of treatment should be as short as possible, and treatment should be reviewed within three months of starting and at regular intervals thereafter. However, it is worth mentioning that in October 2023, Danridorexant was still not available on the BNF. We have come to the end of this episode. Remember, this is not medical advice and it is only my summary and my interpretation of the guidelines. You must always use your clinical judgment. Thank you for listening and goodbye.